The Perimeter is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. The Perimeter with Adam Morrison is brought to you by our official title sponsor, Mercedes-Benz of Spokane. Experience the best or nothing at Mercedes-Benz of Spokane with Dan Crowley and his exceptional team. They're located in beautiful Liberty Lake and his local family-owned dealership under Gee Automotive. Their staff prides itself on a personable and memorable experience from service to sales and will have you leaving the dealership feeling satisfied with a smile on your face all the way down the road. Back-to-back winners of the Best of the Best Civil Laurel Award. Receive invoice pricing on any new Mercedes-Benz in stock when you come in and mention the Perimeter Podcast. You can check out all their available inventory at SpokaneMercedes.com. As well, stay up to date on all things Mercedes-Benz via their Facebook and Instagram pages. Call them at 509-455-9100 to schedule your Mercedes test drive today. Three, two, one. You good? You like to clap? All right, three, two, one. (laughs) Welcome to the Perimeter Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Morrison. Uh, I got a special guest, good friend of mine. Dan Katz of Barstool Sports. Thanks for coming on, man. Dude, I'm very, very excited. This is uh, a full circle moment, to say the least, for you to have a podcast and me to be able to be on your podcast after uh, the history of our relationship. Yeah, no, it, it is kind of a circle of life thing right now, so I'm excited about it. Uh, again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us all the way out in New York. You guys got a beautiful stu- studio. It looks you don't like have to say that. You know like it's shit, a dump. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a dump. dump but, it's a total uh, dump. <laughs> got some cool uh, memorabilia on the wall. I had a jersey for you, actually, and I, I'll mail it to you as long as it doesn't go in the pile. Yes, I will. But I'll I, frame it. I'll frame that. I have a jersey where it's half it's me on the front with like when I was playing with a stash and everything and then Bobcats on the back. So I just figured I had it laid out too and I like washed it and everything. Uh, all right. I'll that's get it the worst you. gift ever because you just were like, hey, this thing was so sweet and I was going to bring it and Good I point. didn't. <laughs> but yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I will absolutely put that up. Um, we'll find a space yeah, for it. We'll as long as it doesn't Between go. Cocho and the Cubs. As long as it doesn't go in the pile. Is that all right? I can't promise that. But the, guess what? Here's, here's what I'll say is the pile – uh, for people who don't know, it's basically just my the corner of my office. People send me stuff constantly, and I'm I'm a hoarder by nature to begin with, but I've uh, weaponized the pile for the greater good. So I auction it off every uh, like year or so for mm-hmm. charity. Yeah, no, you so do now well people with can't it. complain for me yeah. being messy. It's probably the the most genius thing I've done. Yeah, like I said, I, as long as it doesn't get, well, if it goes to charity, then I'll I'll, I'll live with it. But, okay, uh, perfect, um, perfect. All right, so let's get into like how we first met. Yes. So what was it? February. You guys started the show. What's twenty sixteen? February. So, yeah, we started the show twenty February twenty ninth, twenty sixteen mm-hmm. was the first episode of part of my take. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm sitting there minding my own business, kind of faded off to the into the sunset, and I opened uh, all my social media, and it's. Adam Morrison has a bunker. Adam Morrison's unhinged, owns all these guns, and Barstool Sports, Kyle Wiltshire. So I'm like, you know, kind of like, what the fuck? You know, kind of pissed off, obviously. So I start texting everybody. I get a hold of Wiltshire, and he gives me your number. So I remember texting you and being like, hey, can I talk to you on the phone? And uh, it was a contentious first phone call. Do you remember remember me telling you I was going to sue you guys if you didn't let me come on? I forgot. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Shit. It was like because like we we've we've been so friendly since that moment. Yeah. But I forgot that. Yeah, you're right. I so, so from our perspective, we start this <laughs> podcast. 
I think it was probably the second or third week of the podcast. Maybe like, I don't know, the 14th episode. I'm just throwing that out there. But it was sometime during March Madness, right before March Madness started. Hank, our producer, knew someone uh, on Kentucky who knew Kyle Kyle. Wilcher when he was on Kentucky. We were looking for guests. We're just starting out. He's like, hey, we have Kyle Wiltshire. He's playing obviously in Gonzaga. They, you know, are playing. They're good this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing in, in March Madness, and so we're like, great. And we started talking to him, and we started talking about you. And he did say he was like, yeah, he's got a bunker and all this <laughs> stuff. And then we woke up the next morning, and it was like, fuck, this is this is now becoming a story. And it was admittedly for us our first big break. So I owe you that because it was our first time that people were yeah. like, part of my take. Um, and if you go through the list, like I always talk about, there's a list of things that happen to get part of my take to number one. And this was absolutely the number one first thing to happen. Yeah. And I forgot that we were, we did have a contentious, uh, exchange. I felt bad though. You I were nice about bad. it. Yeah, no, yeah. I felt bad because I was like my, my philosophy when it comes to doing podcasts, uh, having guests on, doing content, is I never want anyone to go to walk away feeling bad about themselves. Yeah. I always want people to feel like they had a good, you know, busting balls, having fun, making jokes, like making fun of each other. That's all cool. But I don't want everyone, anyone ever to walk away and be like, man, that sucks. Like, I don't, assholes, yeah, that yeah. was an asshole experience. So I definitely felt bad, but I also think you were like, you got to take it down. We're like, we can't. And, uh, yeah, then we had you on, and it was like start of a friendship. Yeah, it was. So, you know, like I said, I was minding my own business, and I remember that evening I had, I think my daughter was probably seven or eight at the time, so I go to her practice, and fucking people are looking at me like I'm David Koresh, <laughs> t- t- Ted Kaczynski, and, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm hot. But you were like, all right, I'll let you come on, you know, the next day or two days or whatever it was. And it's funny, I still have people like just random people like, hey, man, I remember your PMT episode. I loved it. And it was kind of cool in a sense because it you guys gave me an opportunity to like explain myself. Like sometimes when you get a gotcha moment, some people will just be like, I got you. You know, obviously, and then take the all the the whatever came about it and not give somebody a chance to explain themselves and then you guys were cool about it like you didn't like you let me explain it but you didn't like hammer me into a corner and be like no you really got one don't you because i had to do like i had like three interviews come in like uh uh uh, what's the sports illustrated did one and then another i think a bleacher report did one and so i had to like explain that i'm not like a psycho you know right wing nutcase Right, right. right um so yeah, it was just interesting first way to kind of meet somebody. Yeah, oh, very interesting, and it's um, it was also like it, having you on was great because you know I'm 36 years old. I remember your you know like rise. I remember you in college. Like mm-hmm. I you know w- whenever um, I think about like I'm I'm a big looking back now as you get a little older. It's like we were t- we we're having this conversation about Tim Tebow. Like I I don't like Tim Tebow. I think he's a little bit like of a uh, attention seeker, all these things. He's not going to make the team. But I also can recognize, like, I have fond memories of watching Tim Tebow in college, and he was one of the greatest college football players of all time. Like, I have fond memories of watching you play in college and, like, moments that are uh, maybe not your best moments, but moments that are etched in my mind where I'm like, this dude was awesome, and he was cool for the sport, and it was fucking, like, you don't don't lose those moments. So when you were hit me up, I was a little starstruck, and... uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy that it all worked out. Now, 
did you do you still have the bunker? <laughs> it's just off site. What is no, the... no. I it's so it's a, <laughs> it's obviously it's it's um I think I've explained it on your guys' uh, show on PMT, but it's just a you know Washington law requires you to have uh you know safes, but if you have an open room with firearms, you have to have a door with a lock on it. So it's a storage room. Good law. Good law. Good, great law. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know, I pride myself, I guess, on being a, a responsible gun owner, and I really do. And so I, it's just a room with other safes in it. Um, Could you imagine, though? Like, that doesn't really play if it was, like, Adam Morrison, responsible gun owner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. Well, it was so crazy, though. Like, New York Post had a thing, like, unhinged and all this shit. And so, like, I literally did a, I had to do a media tour and then, then you have to get into the, you know, like, how come you don't play anymore? How come your NBA career was shitty? Fuck, see, I feel bad You know what that. I'm saying? Yeah, so then, I'm, then I'm like, I'm just minding my own business. I'm a dad, blah, blah, blah. You know, my uh, lifestyle's good, and I'm just, like, staying out of the limelight, and then I get thrown back into it. Um, but like I said, it was an interesting way to meet somebody, and I'm glad my, like, embarrassment helped you guys have some Yeah, success. no, you know it did. I, mean? I like, owe you for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, I mean, we've had you on since – Oh yeah, and it's it's, been it's great. awesome. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's great that uh, a friendship was born out of it. Like that's that's like the perfect story ending to me is like these type of moments happen and then you like get a new friend out of it. You're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I and like I said, you guys handled it right, and I really mean that not to get uh, like sappy or anything, but you guys like gave me an opportunity to speak my mind, uh, explain myself, and then you guys weren't like you know, giving me shit the whole time. Now, the other, like, underrated part of the story that I don't ever think gets talked about is Gonzaga went out and just laid an egg. And I think, like, <laughs> we might have had something to do with that, like Kyle Wiltshire feeling like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck I fucked yeah. up. Because was... the game was in Chicago. Who'd they lose to? It was first-round game. Oh, yeah, no, was it this? was that the Syracuse year? It might have been. I think it might have been the Syracuse year where they were up. Yeah, but you're right, uh... They did. They laid a total egg, Uh, and I was sitting there the whole time, being like, "Well, and I was, I felt bad too, because like, yeah, like you said, it was like unnecessary publicity for those guys, right? Right. He didn't mean it out of hate. It was a total offhand comment that got just picked up. And I was, you know, I was pissed at the time. I mean, I literally went to a lawyer's office. Really? (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, because I'm sitting there like, I have to explain myself and. I don't know, like what the what defamation what it comes down to, but no I, one does. If exactly, yeah. and that's what my lawyer said. Like, well, hey man, like you can try. But also, our defense would have just been my bad. Exactly, and, <laughs> and you can always like, say what's... like you're technically in the public light, so you know yeah. people can say whatever the fuck they want yeah. about you. But yeah, anyway, it was. I always start the shows with kind of how I know people. Yeah, the connection. It's and a stuff. great one. It's definitely probably the weirdest one. It it's really... probably a little different than Mark Few. <laughs> very true but uh yeah so uh that's how we came to know each other it was like i said my you know my embarrassment helped you guys become a yes. little, bit, little bit you know obviously you guys no it was no i you, i give you listen i don't underrate that like there's like i said there's a few moments and that's definitely one of them oh, i appreciate it so yeah. um I, you know the next thing i want to talk about is like how did you start um you know because you're like an og podcaster and everybody knows that um like when you first came to Barstool, you were a freelance writer, sports writer. Yeah, I was. Well, I was actually working in real estate in in Chicago. Oh, that sucks. Uh, I had the I had the worst real estate career of all time. I started uh, right out of college, and it was uh, so 2007, 
and Wisconsin we what, grad. Yeah, right. and we know what happened in 2008. The oh, whole the, world exploded. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got out of real estate in 2012, right when everything was bouncing back. Oh, so, so good job. Yeah, that no, the worst. Like that. Smooth. That tells Perfect. me right there, I, it was not the job <laughs> for me. But yeah, I uh, yeah, barstool back in the day was it was weird, man. It was totally different than it is now. We're obviously in the office right now. Like there's 200 people. Uh, back in the day, there was like maybe seven or eight of us, yeah. and all we would do is blog every day nonstop and uh we started podcasting uh kfc who credit to him because he basically was like this new thing podcasting and like we you know everyone knows podcasting now but in 2000 i think it was probably 2013 he's like hey i want to try this thing out and i was i was lucky enough to be on it with him on his kfc radio show and it's crazy to think back like how knew it was how different it was and also like you just said how long i've been doing it mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of recorded things over the years yeah so like you just when you started it did you have i mean obviously you don't know the success you're going to have but did you did you have an idea like maybe i have a niche for this and i can make this into like a career and make it my main focus or were you just like you know, I'm going to be a freelance writer and keep writing and try to get on like a newspaper or a beat yeah. writer or something like that. So it was, that's a great question because I basically, uh, when I started, when I was 20, I was 27 and I essentially said to myself, I'm going to give it till I'm about 30 to see if this like becomes a career. And cause I, you know, when I, when I start, when, it's hard to tell people in your life, like I'm a blogger. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's not it's really like anybody can fuck right. Everyone it, just looks yeah. at you like, dude, yeah. you what? Like Especially get a real job for for like sports media too. Like I'd have guys when I was playing in L.A. be like, hey, uh, you know, I'm a part of a blog. I'm like you fucking kidding. yeah, right, cool man. Right you know now it's like, different. It's now different I now, think it's yeah. totally different. I think yeah. some of the best writers can be qualified as bloggers now. But in 2012, it's like bloggers were literally the dudes that everyone made fun of being like oh you're a fanboy like yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. Sitting in your boxers, which by the way was true i was literally spent most of my days sitting in my boxers <laughs> writing on the internet so that wasn't wrong internet poker on the side are you one of those guys <laughs> yeah, too? But, yeah yeah right it's like i just fucking <laughs> sat there so uh but it i i remember telling myself like i'm gonna give it a few years and as crazy as the rise of barstool feels it it really um like it was a process where if I look back and I think about it, it's like you have these little moments that are big, like, you know, the Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup in 2013. Like I, I was lucky enough to like party with some of the guys like mm -hmm. that was a moment like we start doing some video content in 20, you know, later 2013, 2014, like people start. And like, oh, these guys are funny on video, not just written word. Like little things come along and it felt it was never a moment where I was like, oh, this is actually going to work. Um, but it just, it just kind of came momentum. It, yeah, it just yeah. kind of all came together where I woke up one day and I was like, I, this is my career. I think this is my career. And now I will say and, I, I, you know, this is something that I think people have. I think Dave has talked about it, Dave Portnoy. I don't know if I've ever really explained it, but there was a moment. So um, the Chernin deal happened in 2016. Peter Chernin Group bought us. Yeah. That right before that moment, I was kind of like not ready to leave Barstool, but I was definitely tired because what we were doing is we were blogging 12 blogs a day, every single day, sitting at our computer, like Just grinding, grinding, con grinding, content, content. And it content. was one of those things where I said to myself, I don't know if I can do this when I'm 40. Yeah. So you have that like existential crisis where you're like, all right, I'm only 31, but like, can you see yourself doing this when you're 40? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. And then Churning comes along and 
it be it's like hey we're not going to just keep blogging ourselves to death we're going to try new things we're going to have money invested i think it kind of saved everyone and like my relationship with dave my relationship with kevin all of us felt reinvigorated and it's like let's push to something new yeah that's yeah that's very interesting because i always you know when i've like you said with like freelance writers and stuff and you know, sometimes guys can be, you know, really poignant and have, uh, you know, think outside the box because not connected to like a, a corporation or a newspaper. But also like there's been guys, like I said, when I played in L.A. and the, the herd immediate come in and, you know, I wouldn't be obviously getting the main guys, but the, the side guy would be from fucking something dot com. Right. Like, Dude, fuck you. Right. Like, I don't, who right. Cares, man? Hey, right. You know what I mean? Like just answer your couple questions. Yes, I'm a type one diabetic. Yes, I don't play very much. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, leave <laughs> but me now those guys are like the guys. I know. I think. That's Some why it's wild. That's what guys. I'm saying. It's yeah. it's different now. But uh, at that at that time, I, I imagine, you know, your uh, hesitation with staying in that was very valid. It was it, so. Uh, you know, obviously, Dave uh, Portnoy took the biggest risk of anyone here, and he deserves the success he's gotten. But I do think that if you go down the list of any of the original guys we all took certain risks to oh. be like hey we're gonna give this a shot i don't know if it's gonna work i don't know if it's gonna like i don't know if we can do this forever i don't know where this is going because there was definitely times where it felt like you know especially when we were first building that momentum and people were were starting to pay attention to us the every step you take forward like the haters and people who dislike us get yeah. louder and louder oh yeah so there was definitely moments where i was like is this gonna work like are we gonna be just like are we gonna be able to take this next step and every time we were able to take that next step and it was like holy shit we are do you think that uh you know not to get too uh, uh um deep into like a, a philosophical question or like social commentary but like do you think the cancel culture stuff like helps you guys in, a, in a, on the opposite side i think yes i think well so dave is uh Dave is so like I don't want this just to become like a uh, We're not compliment trying, I, Dave podcast, yeah. but I, I I will say this. So yeah. so uh, the reason why Dave is successful and who he is who he is is he is so headstrong, and sometimes that's frustrating. But I think that there's no one else who could captain the ship. Yeah. In that respect, I think I have strengths that are complementary to Dave. Yeah. You think do things that he can't do like. If if Dave was starting that podcast and Adam Morrison called him up, he'd been like, "Fuck you, dude! Fuck you! Like, come sue my yeah, ass! Yeah, come fucker, sue me, yeah. right?" And it wouldn't have started a, a bigger relationship. But so Dave's ability to be like, "I don't really care what everyone says," yeah. uh, is kind of like what has kept us on course. It's weird though because like, I, I cancel culture is a weird thing. Exactly. In like sometimes it's it's legitimate. And there's some right. shitty things right. that people say and do. Right. And you have to be responsible for your actions. Right. And then sometimes it's like, dude, just fucking chill. Right. So anyway. Right. Ahead. So I, I think the, the the greatest lesson I've learned through it all, because it used to bother me a lot. Like it used to, I'll just say it out loud. Like it used to bother me. I remember when I did, um, I want to say it was, I threw out the first pitch at Wrigley and it was not like, it wasn't a big, it wasn't I took like BP a, at Wrigley no, one time too. Really? So, yeah. With Dempster. How'd anyway. you do? I got it out of the infield. It was good enough for me. That's, I was a shitty baseball if you can get player. The, if you just get the ball in the air, that's all. I was, I was so hyped. Yeah. It was awesome. Anyway. I wasn't like the main attraction to throw out the first pitch. So I, I didn't just throw out the first pitch. I just got I want that on the record that like it was <laughs> it was like a little girl, me, and then like like the main attraction. I yeah, can't even right, remember who it was. Oh, you so still are on the field. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, right. 
But I remember I got backlash and everyone was shitting on Barstool and being like, and I remember that feeling and being like, man, this sucks because not only does it suck for Barstool, but it sucks that like the Cubs are put in a position where their any association with me becomes like everyone going after uh, them. So I, I, it point. would bother me and it would bother me when people would go after guests. But I reached a point, and I think it probably happened, I don't know, like two, three years ago, where it was like there is a certain group of people that despise Barstool, will always despise Barstool. Yes. And there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, you're not changing their mind. Nothing. I can't say sorry. I can't change who I am. I can't change the content. All I can do is try to be a good person and do the right thing as I see it and make people laugh and not take myself too seriously. And I think having that peace of mind where it's like the people who followed me forever the people who know me and know who i am know that like what i stand for and who i am good energy absolutely right exactly and so it's it's a time suck to let other people try to bring that down you're wasting your own brain space totally right so having that epiphany was huge and i don't even know how i got to this point but it's um I think just realizing that, like, so cancel culture aside, just realizing that there's nothing you can do to change people's opinions of you, especially online with everyone's got an opinion. There's millions of us out there. Yeah, it, It's a freeing thought. I've, I've, I've came to that conclusion about six, seven years ago myself personally. It's like not everybody's going to like you. People are always going to poke fun at you no matter what. Yep. And you can, you can as long as you're comfortable in your own skin and obviously – you're doing the right things with the, the people around you and giving off good energy, like I said. Yeah. The rest, the rest is is what it is. But it's a hard thing to finally come to that point. Right. And it, 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 it also is like when uh, I don't give a fuck if some random dude says I'm the worst person on earth. Yeah. I care if a person I worked with says I'm a bad that's, person. That's the best way like, to put it. That's yeah. all I care about. The people who, who know me, the people who work with me, I think have always stood up for me and been like, he does the right thing and he's helped me. And that's all I care about. And I've reached that point where it's like, if the people around me, uh, like don't have anything bad to say about me, then I'm good. I'm good. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's a, it's a good way to go about it because I mean, I've worked with, I, I did something with bleacher report one time and they were fantastic. It was something for March Madness, like a couple of years ago. But I, they were the guy was talking to me about going on your show and it, just the fucking fervor and hate that he had for Barstool. Yeah, and he was from here. Yeah, and I mean he was just you know he, he fucking this this that and I was just like dude they're not bad guys. It's you also know what I'm saying it was weird. It it's, was like it's also I, I think what happens sometimes and it's it's crazy. You can't say it out loud, but I I really do think sometimes it's just professional jealousy. I I I, I sense that as well, but yeah no I think you hit a spot on like. It's like, well, their career's pretty good. Uh, their success is obviously there. So we have like, a ton of fun. Like and you guys are, like, yeah, like having a good time. Uh, the guests, you guys, the content you put out is obviously uh, fun, and it's it's not bore, 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 or like this, whatever. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, um, we've we've there's uh, when you watch Barstool and what we do, we have found a way to make a living off of just pretty much having fun and bullshitting. Yeah, and so I would understand that people would. I just would like those, some of those people to call it what it is, like instead of yeah, instead taking of, us down for a million things. Just be like, dude, I I think you're just kind of wish you had jealous. like we, this because yeah. this is pretty sweet and it's okay to admit it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so I'm gonna segue into this. Obviously, PMT, pardon my take, has been you know huge show. How'd you meet PFT? Like, how'd that relationship? Was there 
Was there like a bromance right away, like sparks flying? I mean, because you guys yeah. have great chemistry, obviously. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't need to be said, but like you have to make sure you vibe with somebody to, to have the relationship and the content and the way your guys' sh uh, show flow is fantastic. Was it right away or did you have to work on it? You know, I remember listening to Dan Patrick one time talking about like he never even discussed anything with Keith Olbermann when he did the show because they wanted it to be natural. Yep. Is, yep. It that, is, is that kind of how it is? Yeah, so I met him. Um, it was funny because we were – you know, we both would randomly get tagged in tweets uh, claiming that uh, we were stealing each other's content. <laughs> like, they'd be like, oh, PFT made that joke, or oh, Big Cat made that mm -hmm. joke. So we started following each other, talking. He was. Oh, so you guys like slid into each other's DMs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. fucking he, awesome. Yeah, dude. he was in Chicago <laughs> for, I think, a wedding. Uh, and I was like, hey, let's grab a beer. Yeah. And we grabbed a beer, we talked. This was in maybe 2015. And I was like, hey, he was he was working at SB Nation. I was like, hey, man, like if anything ever comes up, like, yeah, we should have a yeah. further conversation. We kept in touch, hung out at the Super Bowl, hung out a couple other times. And then when the churning thing happened, it was like, hey, we have an influx of money. We're going to be looking for new talent. And I remember the first couple times I, I told, like, Dave about PFT, he didn't fully get it. He was like, I was like, yeah, he's like, spelling misspelling things on purpose and like dave <laughs> didn't fully understand it which was very funny but uh finally he was like yeah you know we're gonna hire some new people he was at the top of the list and to your question about the chemistry i yeah i mean it, it really was pretty immediate now it is funny to look back because we're now in year five and a half of doing it and i think um there's obviously always ebbs and flows to a show and you know sometimes people are like oh the show sucks now or the show's greater better like you know it goes up and down i never you really get podcast block like writer's block no yeah it's <laughs> it, well i think there's times where it's just like yeah no you hey can't we're be, doing it three times a week you can't be on it all the fucking time but I, yeah right, and right? I, I also think um the uh the element of doing a show every sunday night definitely I can speak for myself. I think I speak for everyone. There's definitely times where it wears you down, where it's like, hey, I kind of wish I had a full weekend. Because yeah. it's it, at home. 6 o'clock every Sunday, non-football uh, season, 6 o'clock every Sunday, it's like, all right, time to go to work. Mm -hmm. Like, that's when people are usually winding down from their weekend, chilling out, all that. It's like, all right, yeah. now i got to get my brain fired up. But I think PFT and I have always had um, an ability to make each other laugh. And uh, through the ebbs and flows, like, we just – we have a – incredible working relationship i don't know how else to describe it than like i think it comes from a place of just like tremendous respect for yeah. each other yeah you that, can you could sense that and obviously read it but yeah that makes sense yeah and like people get surprised like we don't we, we of course we've had disagreements and hank is uh, hank has uh been there from day one too so he's definitely like a full third of the show and then mm -hmm. liam and and jake and billy also part of the show but we've had disagreements but it's never been there's never been a big disagreement. Like There's a, never been a big fight. Snow Greeny and Golic where you guys no. are pretending and then No, the only time we ever like have like true disagreements is usually at the end of like a long trip where it's not even a disagreement. It's like I just, just we don't just don't want to talk to each other yeah. anymore. Because no, all we do is sense. talk to each yeah, other. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, I think it's it's uh, I'm very, very lucky um to have that and uh to like really enjoy the people I work with. It's awesome, man. Yeah, you guys' show is so funny. Um, you know, some of the topics on it I want to discuss, if you don't mind. Yes. What's with the Lenny Dykstra stuff? 
man. It, 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 we had no, to retire that. That was old school. I know, and uh, and that's something that I, that's, I remember uh, listening to, and I always wanted to ask you, like, yeah. kind of how how did that come about, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. So <laughs> it would be funny, too, for people who listen to this, and they're like, wait, like, because, you know, obviously doing it for five and a half years now, there is, there's now people – just a quick side tangent. We had uh, Randy Moss on the show last week for the Kentucky Derby. Awesome. Randy Moss, the horse analyst. Oh, awesome. Show. Yeah. So, so <laughs> ever there was a group of people being like, I thought it was Randy Moss, a football player. It's like, well, you should have known because he was like guest number twenty back in oh, twenty sixteen. Yeah. So it's very funny. <laughs> but yeah, Lenny. So, um, Lenny. I don't remember how we got his number. I just remember Lenny. Let's just say Lenny's not the best guy, no. you know, um, and we loved the story of Lenny Dykstra being like, yeah, I'm a stock savant. And I'm yeah, like, didn't he go to like 30 mil, like yeah. 30 X and then go to like 30 mil and then lost it all? He was like, uh, well, no, he I think he was making up everything. Oh. Um, he was like his <laughs> he said his record was like 525 winners and one loser. Oh, which just cracked a, us up because yeah, like it's why even throw in the one loser yeah like, exactly <laughs> just, just be undefeated <laughs> that the idea that that was lenny being like i gotta humble myself real quick and just throw just in so a the loser. one yeah just in case just make sure make up. sure it's the legit that's funny <laughs> so we we would call him and uh i think we had him on I th oh actually that's how it probably started i think we had him on because he had a new book and he hung up on us because i asked him if he read his book and he was like i wrote it and i'm like yeah but did you, <laughs> did you read it and he's just like, what do you mean? I'm like, did you read your book? <laughs> and he just was like, fuck you guys. So we had his number and then we'd call him up every now and then just be like, hey, Lenny, like, you know, like, what's up, man? Like, see, you know, see any good pussy recently? Like, and he just would always answer and like be like so crude. And then we tell him to suck our dicks. We did retire it. Because there was a moment where it was like, hey, is Lenny going through some shit? Yeah, you want um, to bury a guy. Yeah, so yeah. We, we backed away. I think learning when to when to walk away from something like that was good, but it was very funny in the moment. And maybe someday we'll bring it back. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I remember listening to it back in the day and, and cracking up because you guys would like hang up on him or he's like, yeah, big, you know, he'd be like, you motherfuckers, like, like stop calling me. <laughs> so here's a, here's a, you're a Bears fan, right? Yep. Um, here's a question because you got Coach O and you guys always talk about Coach O on the show. Yep. Matt Nagy or Coach O coaching the Bears, who do you want right now? I mean, that's Coach O. I hate Matt Nagy. You can't stand him. I, I remember when they 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 did the Andy Dalton thing, and you almost broke the mic stand. Yeah, I was, like, I was so mad. So you're happy about Justin Fields? So happy. Yeah, so a, happy. He's pick. something so different that the Bears have never had. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I'm. I'm not gonna let Matt Nagy and uh, we'll see what happens this year. I think. What? How does he have to get on your good side? Does he got to go like ten and six? This he has. Year? To, he has to get Justin Fields like. Bring Justin Fields along very quickly. Does he get a year to 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 groom well, him or what? That's the problem is they basically bought their own year because yeah. they've drafted him. Smart. Uh, yeah. If if I absolutely I try to pride myself on being somewhat realistic. Obviously, uh, the Bears are back. Things that I tweet and like getting my hopes up that is also real. And I know that people will be like, "You're not realistic ever about the Bears." I'm realistic. I know that there's still a lot of holes. Yeah. I I need to see something out of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace also like he just he basically uh, was able to just get another he's probably able to get a contract extension by trading away the future which if Justin Fields is a guy I don't care yeah but he you can't constantly be rebuilding so you, you kind of have to take a chance yeah you have to take a chance but I I I'm not going to compliment him for picking Justin Fields so uh, it fell in his lap you're right right well and also he was in a spot where he had to take him to save his job 
and he screwed up the first quarterback, and he screwed up, you know, Nick Foles, and he screwed up Andy Dalton, like yeah. all these things. So getting one right after getting like six wrong doesn't mean you get a ton of credit. So it's like fourth and goal, you want Coach O on the headset yeah. instead of Matt Nagy. Yeah, absolutely. Every time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I think Coach O would uh, – you know, one of the things that he did that was he's very, so awesome. By he's, the way, he's the best. One of the things he did that was very underrated was he put the right people in power around him. Mm -hmm. Matt Nagy hasn't done that, so that's you a know, good trait. It's actually you're right. That's a good trait that all great coaches have. That I've been around. Um, Phil Jackson was like that as well. Like he had good assistants, let him talk. Blah blah blah. blah. Coach Fuse like that at Gonzaga, but yeah, it was always funny. Your guys' fasc uh, fascination with the. Uh, Coach O. He's, like, I mean, he's so he, funny, man. It started with uh, when he was the interim head coach at USC. He, I made so much money because I kept on betting on USC because he just <laughs> got them so fired up. And he was like, Yeah, he just seems like a rah rah guy. Right. Like, and that oh, matters in college. Run through, yeah, run right. through the wall. And it doesn't play it hard. Yeah, it so maybe I just told on myself that was a terrible answer because it doesn't play in the NFL, <laughs> but it definitely matters in college. All right. One more thing with PMT. What's your guys' Nick Saban theory if you can. Uh, Oh, if you man. can go through that one, well, if it's a, it, <laughs> yeah, there's a few. Um, What's the one after winning the national championship? The, after winning the national championship, he he has like a tiny little packet of uh, lube in his back pocket that he takes out and cranks one off for like the moment <laughs> of happiness because he's he is getting a little bit he's getting a little less robotic. He, I, think. I think he's kind of figured it out a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's getting – like, you can see him smile, but I <laughs> yeah. always, it always cracked me up when Nick Saban would win a big game. He's and he looked pissed, so angry. Still. Remember when they dumped the water or whatever yeah. on him? And he was like, what the fuck? You he's know? Like, he was like, dude, you just won the national championship. What's the point of killing yourself for this job if you can't have one moment of happiness? He is, he is to his credit, the last couple of years, it does feel like he's genuinely happy when he wins. But, <laughs> but he gets <laughs> – Climbing up the mountain, like, he just was never enough. I bet you he called recruits after he wins the national championship. Yeah, like, night. I got to get on the horn. And yeah. I, I had a buddy that worked uh, at uh, Alabama for – I think it was the Avery Johnson regime or whatever assistant coach. And he said like, he was so terrifying just to even walk by him in the hallway. Yeah. You know, Cause his aura. And then he said he has somebody when he pulls into work, somebody will come out and then reverse his car for him. So he doesn't even have to reverse his <laughs> car. So fuck. it's like, that is so gangster That's to be able incredible. to be like fucking reverse my car. So I can just drive away. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. I, love but it. I always thought that uh, the Nick Saban stuff is always funny. That's um, awesome. All right, so the people that listen to my show and that know me know that I'm like a big soccer fan. Uh, I remember last time I was uh, in studio. Remember last time? When was it? Like three years ago? Yeah. Went to I was calling the Villanova Gonzaga game. You guys had me here. Yep. I showed up in a full suit. I felt fucking weird. I had That's to make right. sure to tell everybody. I was like, hey, I'm calling a game in like an hour. That might have been the old <laughs> studio. There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but, was down the street. But yeah, yes, yes, but yes, I was, yes. I had to like be yes. like, I didn't show up to like yes. go on a podcast in a full that. suit. Yes. But uh, anyway – you're giving me shit about um, Chelsea, but then you revealed that you're a minority member of uh, Swansea City. Like, how did you get into that? I just, I think it's fascinating that you have like a connection to Premier League soccer. Wait, are you, I forgot you're a big Chelsea fan. Yeah, we're in the. Uh, I've been a Chelsea fan since 2006. Didier okay. Drogba, Michael Essien, all those guys. Those are that's my team. Well, this is gonna break yeah. the fourth wall. What what time is your flight tonight? Uh, we leave tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, so. We have uh, a guy from London who's the biggest Arsenal fan ever. He's a fucking psycho. I actually have I have a good – this is a true story. Can I tell it? Yes. Okay, so I was at Luke Walton's wedding. This is absolutely true, okay? People are going to think it's fucking full of shit, but it's true. 
I was at Luke Walton's wedding. It was in Aspen. This is 2012, whenever. Stan Kroenke's there, okay? And I played against Stan's son at Missouri. So I'm outside on the, the, the patio or whatever in between the festivities, and Stan's like, hey, Adam, you played against my son. When I, he was a senior, I was a freshman. And I knew who he was. And we start just small talking, and I've had a few. And I told him, Chelsea, till I die. And the look <laughs> on his face, when I, and when I was walking away, like, you know, we, he laughed a little bit, but I was like, I could, like, literally be buried by this guy, and nobody <laughs> would find me. But in no bullshit, <laughs> I told the, the the owner of Arsenal Chelsea till I die. That's so awesome. I, I'm a I'm a true Chelsea. Okay, guy. so so uh, to break the, that fourth wall, people will be listening to this a week later. But now you have to stay for the game today. Okay, Chelsea Arsenal. Yeah, and they're doing a live watch, and he loses his mind. Okay, yeah. I'd so love hopefully to. you win. Yeah, but it will be very to. fun. He also like he won't know who you are. Because he's a London guy, he doesn't know what basketball yeah, it is. Us, yeah, it's good. fucking hilarious. All right, perfect. That's gonna be electric. Uh yeah. So, were you Swansea? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, how'd you get in? Like, how'd you get into that? Like, it's always just it's fascinating. Like, you're a minority owner of a, a fucking club. You guys are in the playoff, right? To go yes, to yes. get open a promotion, right? Yes. Now I want because every time I talk about Swansea publicly, mm-hmm. uh, there is a group of Swansea fans that come after me and say that I'm like a fat you know american you pig like we want to roast you all this shit i want it on the record okay, okay. i am so i i'm like a grain of fuck i'm a grain of sand on the beach when it comes to owner of swansea i did it so matt walsh who you might know played at florida yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, he's yeah, friends yeah. of my friend longtime friend of mine he invested and he was like hey you want to like get in i was like yeah great like it's literally i think it's twenty thousand dollars Mm-hmm. I did it because I like to joke about like, hey, I own a team. Yeah. When it, the 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 idea of the joke was, everyone's getting teams. Everyone's in America. Like, hey, I'm this. I'm this fan. I'm this fan. Like, oh, I got to pick a team. My joke was gonna be, well, oh, I'm a Swansea fan. People are like, oh, what? You're like, a, you just pick Swansea. Like, no, no, no. I own the team. Like that was the reason why I did it because I wanted I wanted to have that trump card on people. Yeah, you want to go to the cocktail party. People and... who get the joke get the yeah, joke. Yeah. They'll be like, whenever I talk about soccer, and I'm not a I I love watching soccer. I do play a little bit dumb. I do know more than I let on about soccer, yeah. but I, pl- I like to play dumb troll online. And people will be like, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. And then I'll have my favorite thing is people will reply and be like, dude, he owns a team. And that's and then, so and funny. Then, yeah, that's just yeah. So Swansea fans are gonna get mad about this. I I listen. I'm not gonna talk about the ownership. I want Swansea to go up. I have zero decisions ever. I don't talk to anyone. I don't know anything. There's the the guys who own the team. I don't have their phone numbers. I don't have their emails. I've never even met them. <laughs> so don't come at me, please. I want Swansea to do well. But yeah, it's been fun because I I do like I wa- I like watching soccer. You know what it is for me, and it's probably different. I mean, you you've been a fan for a very long time. It's um, partly because I love to gamble, but it's off hours, so yeah, it's Saturday morning, morning, Sunday morning, no commercials. Wednesday afternoon, no commercials, no commercials. Too. Tuesday afternoon, so any sport that I can watch yeah. basically to fill the day is the best to me. What do you think about the Super League stuff? I thought uh, it was bonkers. I it mean, was crazy. For it like was a day and a half stupid. But then when it ended, I was like, wait, I kind of understand what they were going for. Because, like, UEFA and FIFA are, like, the dirtiest fucking sports organizations on right. the planet. So, like, when they were trying to do the, the, the idea of it, I get 
they were trying to control you know their own entity get on tv more make more money um but to to have the ability not to get relegated in a sense in that super league is pretty shitty right especially for like a swansea city that's why i brought it up yeah um but it was wild for those two days because they're like, you know, no World Cup action. So you're like, shit, Ronaldo, you know, all these all these teams, uh, Messi might not be in the World Cup, blah, 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 or whatever. And then the Euros, the UEFA, uh, and all that stuff. So uh, it, it was, it's crazy. I think the, um, like, it's weird to see owners in soccer because I think what their argument is that they don't, with relegation and being, like, Arsenal's a good. Relegation would save a lot of American sports problems. There would be no tanking. It'd be fantastic, yeah, but, but you can't do it here. I'm just but saying, yeah, they, in theory. Yeah, owners would never go for it because of... Yeah, you can't do it. That's the whole reason why they want to make a Super League because because Arsenal's a perfect example this year, and Kroenke sucks, and I, he's the fucking worst. But his argument would be, I spent all this money, and we have like one of the top clubs, and we're not going to be playing in any European competitions mm-hmm. next year. They want to just guarantee the money year in and year out. Yeah, Which, sense. from a business side, I understand, but it's an inability of those guys to understand... Like the history of soccer well, and what makes it great. You take out a Leicester that. City story, right? right? I mean, I know they won the Premier League, but the next year they get the Champions League bid and blah blah blah. And they that make just money. They get better players. Elevates their club, and now they're like a you know legit top eight club. Yeah, I lo- I love you know, I that, love how it how it that works. one shot in the arm could yeah. work. I um, love how it works in Europe. I think the the American owners. Uh, just don't under fundamentally understand how it works, and they want they just want more money, so they're greedy. Um, but the 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 funniest part was when it all ended. I was I said to myself like, I I really I would love to watch a Super League. Same here. Yeah, I was like, like, you know, if you can give me like Bayern Man City more, every and, fun, you know yeah, twice a year on a Wednesday. Yeah, like, I I as, agree. As bad of an idea as it as it was, and I'm happy it got ended and all this stuff. I definitely would have watched, and it would have been kind of sick to watch as a fan. All right, so getting into you know go, talking about the Super League, you, you mentioned gambling or, earlier. Like, how did your sports book show on Twitter with Pornoy and what's the guy Stu, Stu Finer? Finer? Yeah, yeah. How did that? How did that come about? I, how big of a degen are you really? Like, obviously you're not you're not a put your family in the poorhouse type yeah. of degen, but like, are you a guy that needs action every single day? So I can't say the word degenerate anymore. Um, I did not know that. I, gambling. No, that's okay. I'm uh, sorry. So when Penn bought us, because I'm a degen poker player. Okay. So okay. that's why no, I you, threw that. You, there. But you you poke you play within your means. Absolutely. One eight hundred gambler. If you have a problem. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh yeah. No, I I love to gamble. I love to gamble. It's so much fun. Um, it is my favorite hobby and that's been forever. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I do think uh, I, I joke there a little bit, but it's actually serious. Like people need to learn how to bet within their means. They need to learn how to have it be a hobby, have it be something that is fun that you can have enjoyment from, but not, you never bet the farm. Yeah. You're not stressed about it. You, You know, but I love to, I love to gamble that show. I remember, uh, like the, like old school touts, um, because like, you're fit on that is oh dude, I lo- like yeah, you look so good like so that's, for real like look so fucking <laughs> that I see it I'm like dude but that's a real so Stu that was a real show in like the late 80s early 90s that Stu would pay to put on TV and when we were getting more into gambling <laughs> content and Dave's always been a gambler as well we're like we should try to bring Stu Finer back we did it as a uh, I think we did it as a bit. So was he like a one nine hundred type of? Yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah, okay. right, Makes right. Sense. And we did it as a a video bit. It, he's actually a fascinating guy. He he was making millions, and then 
uh, with selling picks, and then he just didn't realize like the internet was about to exist. Okay. Which I mean, a lot of people probably have that story, but he went from like the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. That's... But uh, we did a we like mocked his old show, and then he lives on Long Island, and I think Hank hit him up, and it's become like a relationship. Like I love Stu Finer. He's crazy. He's psycho. If you have <laughs> to spend more than an hour with him, it will make you want to like gouge your eyes out and like box your ears in but he's one of the <laughs> sweetest guys i've ever met like super family guy like he's just awesome funny and that show is i it's one of the funnest things i get to do and i think people love it because it is just so ridiculous and over the top how much like what's your all-time uh you know i hate talking about movie like what's your most stressful or like biggest you, you ever hit like a 5001 or anything like that like nothing crazy like parlay, that parlay i did just something? hit the uh kentucky derby which people so uh, let me ask about. you about that yeah. as a gambler yeah do people get their money should get no, their money back no it's official well, resorts won, or official so resorts no. yeah no definitely not you don't think so i don't think you can i it sucks but i don't think you can like you can't give people money ba- like would you give people money back if they had like the, after a tim donahue the, game or something? yeah like the astros yeah. winning the world series it's true. no it's a good point but it's also fucking it animals. sucks it yeah sucks. it sucks but at least you get the story from it yeah and i obviously what I, sucks I is that it takes two weeks to get the second fucking blood tap mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like you guys yeah. really can't speed this process up um, yeah so let's give context real quick uh what's the, the horse's name uh, medina spirit medina spirit wins the kentucky derby and then it came back twelve to one. I won on that. It was awesome. And it was it came back that it had what's the the name of the Beth something ben, Benzamone or something. I don't it's like picograms too, yeah, which yeah. is like twelfth power or right, something like right. that. Um, and in its system, and so there's a big mess about. And then the horse is still in the Preakness to go for the the Triple Crown. But anyway, I've always wondered from a gambling standpoint, like how do you rectify that? Do you make do a make good if you're like uh you know FanDuel or DraftKings or whomever? Barcelona Sportsbook app. Okay, yes, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. I did some with FanDuel this this deal. That's was the first thing I made. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah, I've always wondered like as a it's like a pro gambler or whatever yeah. we'll put it. Like I yeah, it sucks for the people. Do? I I'm obviously not gonna not a dime back. I gave the Jim Calhoun speech. Not a dime back. <laughs> um, but it's uh yeah, it sucks. It sucks for people. Did you ever get to meet Jim Calhoun? No, uh, the the biggest like kind of prick. Not, he's not a prick, but the, like that vibe was Bobby Knight. Obviously. Oh, I mean, we Bobby Knight him. was a prick. We pl- yeah, we played against him at Texas Tech my sophomore year, and I missed a shot late, and you know that was the end of our season. And then I randomly saw him in like LAX one time, and I walked directly by him, and this is you know pre-COVID. This is years ago, obviously, and he like. Wouldn't even like give me a head nod, or he was just like such an yeah, asshole. Yeah. And it was just, and then you know, going back and watching that thirty for thirty, and you're just like that yeah, whole staff, like, that whole fucking staff on that team too. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like they're bullies. You see, you sat there and you watched the kids just get fucking ripped on and then choked, and right. you know, and you didn't say anything. Like you didn't have the nuts to stand up to this guy to right. say like, hey man, like let's let's be positive. At least you can still coach and be demanding without being demeaning. But like I've always wondered, some of these guys have had. Um, careers after it and like journalism and, and like sports journalism i'm like this guy was on his staff and he fucking sat there and didn't do anything about it right um but anyway with the calhoun stuff yeah, yeah. no I, I love that press conference but yeah so the um to answer your question i would i'm not giving any money back uh but the <laughs> biggest hit 
I've had, you know, there's I there's like certain games that obviously I've bet a little more because I loved it. I did hit a um, it similar to horse ra- or horse racing Keeneland uh, the Breeders Cup, which is awesome. If yeah. anyone can ever go to a Breeders Cup, I hit a trifecta. It was like fifty dollars that paid out like seven grand. That Ooh, that's was awesome. A good, that's a good yeah. lick. So that one was good. Well, the, to be funny, and I, I I said this to you off air to start. You know, obviously I call the games for Gonzaga, and outside is fucking the spread. Yeah, the Gonzaga, spread Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Baylor. Yeah. And I was like, was this? And you're like, no, it's been up since the whole time since yeah. the game. So that's just funny. You and guys. I had Gonzaga to win the title, so that didn't work out well. Do you think they'll ever win a title? I think um, you know. Obviously, this is our second title game. There was one in seventeen, and then this year, I think the team and the program is heading in that direction. I think there's some factors that have to play in it. You have to, um, matchups matter. And I don't want this to get taken out of context and it's hard to do in today's era, but like, I think officiating matters Mm -hmm. in college basketball because there's a lot of times, um, you'll watch games and you talked about our, watching me play and college basketball is covered different now like yeah could you name the starting five for any of the top five teams now probably not right when we when i was playing yes you, you yes. could and you it, kind of fell yeah. in love so i think now like college basketball is kind of turned into a three-week sport and what i'm getting at is i think the officiating needs to change to where it turns into more skill-based and it, it rewards teams who are more offensive prone and skilled. Now, I don't want the Baylor fans to kill me because I was with Rem Backamus. I know him. He just left for the Arizona job. John Jacobs is my guy. So I have – And Baylor would have won that game a million different times. Like I if think they played so. 100 times, they would have won 100 times the way they were playing that night. Yes, and, and I think Jalen's shot at the end didn't help to sit there for Baylor to sit there and go, you know, because they the, the national media went fucking nuts over that shot. It was, it was fantastic. Right. But – they sat there and got even more pissed off and more, you know, excited for that game. Um, but I do I think they can win a national championship? I honestly think they can. They just got Chet Holmgren. It was awesome. So, all right, so here's my quick take on okay. Gonzaga. I do think they can win the national title. The one thing that I, I – that was Give so, me all – tell me anything you want to say right. about Gonzaga. Yeah, I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, no, but here's what, what was the, the biggest, like, the thing I noticed the most about the national championship game. Gonzaga, like – and do I say that right? Everyone gets mad at me. Zags. Zags, yeah. yeah. The, the, they just looked smaller. And I'm not talking about height. I'm just talking about like girth. Like strength, like man strength. Yeah. That, it was men and boys. And I don't know if so it's let the me type ask of you guy this, they're recruiting. Let me ask you this as a fan. Do you want to see skilled basketball players? Or do you want to see guys that – Well, Baylor did both. Free? Yeah. Thousand percent, and yeah. I'm. I, I again, I want to make sure that I'm giving Baylor their due because yeah. they were fantastic. And like I said, there's ties to that program. And the, the names I mentioned, if they're Baylor fans, they understand that I was happy for those guys. But my point is, you watch some of these games, and you watch college basketball, and it'll be 55 to 59, and you're like, and people were like, well, how come college basketball is not fun to watch anymore? And we're like, because it's a fucking bloodbath. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's in. And, and it's there's like, not. There's the skill, uh, like the shooting level is just not even close. It's um, yeah. I mean, it, I think that's also the NBA has just gotten so fucking good. Yes, that's and and I always have to reel myself back in with that too because I'm like, well, you know, the guy doing the pick and pop in college is obviously not, you know, fucking, you know, yeah. whomever that can just go whack whack whack. Someone once said something to me. I wonder what your take is on this. That the last guy on the bench on an NBA roster would 
would without a doubt be the best shooter on every college basketball team. That's I think that's entirely accurate. Yeah, I and mean, that kind of tells you like the di- like the skill difference because you, you go think- to go to an NBA shoot around and Coach Few has told me this and he he kind of laughs but he's like. You just watch guys shoot around, and it's literally the whole team's just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom, yeah. Boom, 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 they boom, don't boom. miss. Don't miss, right? And especially open jump shots. I mean, I played with guys in like Charlotte that were like, you know, throwaway players, and I mean that in a nice way, but like expansion guys, like Primo Bredgets, like had a fucking flamethrower, right? And he couldn't even like get on the court, right? And so, I, to your point, I think, you know, they have a chance to win a championship. I really think so, but I think. Sometimes the officiating, they turn it, it turns into a fucking bloodbath, always. And I get tired of, um, you know, watching those games because I cover 35 games a year. And I always go, people want to watch skill. Yeah. They no, do. You're right. you're right. You know what I'm saying? And they want to watch openness. And then I think, I think college basketball, I think all of basketball needs to do this. I think there should be six fucking fouls. I'm I sick agree. Of, I'm sick of watching that guy Big get time. one early. Yep. And then he has to go sit. Totally coach, agree. So dumb. Just go six all the way down to high school yeah. because it, it, it just changes the game too much. And um, I, if you if you want to throw in that because it's only 40 minutes and not 48 like the yes. NBA, I'm fine with that. I, I always thought if, if a guy gets a uh, – you call it a six foul, you maybe the team gets one free throw. He gets a free throw and yeah. check out. I think yeah. that's a fantastic rule yeah. as well because a guy can't just sit there and hack and blah, I thought, blah, blah. I think what they should do is they should actually do it – the um if you get a six foul you get one free throw you can keep the guy in if he gets a seventh foul you now get three free throws eight, eight you get four five, five, you just yeah. keep going up and it's like well this guy's really good should we give up these free points well i think uh, i'm sick of watching games like i said where there's uh, the officiating matters too much yeah and what i what i don't like about college basketball is compared to the nba obviously the skill stuff and the nba is, is fantastic to watch is I think the refs don't ref in a sense of advantage, and then there's no feel of, okay, let's say I'm taking it to the cup. I get hit on the arm, but I hit a guy for a wide-open dunk, but they'll call the, the guy getting hit on the arm. Right. NBA, they'll let it go, so the guy gets boom, excitement. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, or absolutely. there's a rebound, and the other team's going 90 feet. A guy maybe hits me on the arm. I don't lose the ball. Right. They're not going to call that reach because they don't want to put a guy on the bench. Right. The arguments, well, you shouldn't reach at 90 feet. Of course, but right. they don't ref with feel. I agree with you. They yeah. go completely. It's boom, absolutely boom, boom. a problem. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks for your take on a college yeah. basketball. Yeah, I love I mean, college basketball. I truly love I do, too. I, I watch I, it all. I, it's not a three-week sport to me. I like watching it all season. I, 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 I say that in the sense of um, in the national spotlight compared to now. I love it. Obviously, I cover it. Uh, you know, I'd like to be able to – you know, hopefully my career goes in a direction where I can do national games and stuff, especially like on the radio. Um, but in the way the media views it compared to times before, it's a three-week sport. Yeah. The way the media covers yeah. it. Yeah. Um, all right. We got a few more if you don't right, mind. Yeah, you, am I, sure. you got plenty of yeah, time? You good? Plenty of time. All day? Uh, 12.30 <laughs> is my next thing. I think that's like an hour and a half from now. So what was it like doing the corporation podcast with A-Rod? Because I've always heard mixed reviews, and I, I'm sure he's your guy. Um, he always seems cool to me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I got to be kind of the skeeve and be like, 
you know, was it cool seeing J-Lo? It was very cool. She smells incredible. Really? Um, Just like, like, I was downwind from her when I interviewed her and I was, I think I said it to her at the time. I was like, you smell incredible. Can you say Um, that? Yeah. What what year was that? That was like two years ago, a year and a half ago. So you can say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, she was, yeah, no, she, I, she, I said it to her face. Like you smell great. I think you'd say that to someone like you smell great. Um, it was cool. It was really cool. I, you know, it was a little bit, um, it's, it was tough schedule-wise, but I got to interview some people I never thought I would get to interview, mm-hmm. something a little bit different. Uh, like, I mean, the fact that I got to interview Kobe was incredible. Yeah. Um, so getting that, like, access was awesome. Uh, but, yeah, it was a fun experience. I really enjoyed doing it. I don't know if – I think it's I, – I don't know if it will come back at all. I, I'm, I'm saying probably not just because it is, like, impossible to get both of our schedules aligned with yeah, how much he travels. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I got a family and all that stuff. So – um, but it was, it was something that like, I, I think I'll look back on like 20 years from now and I'll be like, shit, that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. No, I, I he was one of my favorite players, you know, growing up cause I'm Seattle. So Mariners. You yeah. Know and I mean? he's a, he, the one thing about A-Rod that I don't think people understand cause he obviously gets a lot of shit, but like, uh, he is very curious about things and I think mm-hmm. he's very curious like to learn from other people, which I love that in anyone. I think anyone who has a, a natural curiosity is uh is great like it's great to be around someone like that yeah i think he um he seems genuine too like when he does commentary and stuff yeah. like that on the desk like it doesn't seem like he's mailing it in it's just like well i'm i'm a rod so right. you know what i mean like right. he stu- like it seems like he studies right and, and knows what he's talking about obviously but um you know that's a whole different ball of wax so when you have to be on point and you know you know you could tell when a guy studies or not right that's my, that's right my point so um i've always wondered um because he's been up um, in the neck of the woods where I live and stuff. And, um, you know, some people don't have a fond opinion of him. I always thought he was cool, but, yeah. um, I always wanted to ask. It's also, um, I'd love to hear your take on this. So you've been around obviously a ton of pro athletes. Yeah. Um, you for a while there, this was kind of your life, but anyone who was a, ce- who's basically been a celebrity since they were like 18 years old. Yeah. I always give them a little bit of a pass because, I don't so think you understand you. how hard that must be yep. to have the fishbowl constantly, and you don't really know what it's like anything different. Different, you're exactly right. right. I think, um, you know, I my fame or whatever came, and it was never on the A Rod level. So make sure I, I, I get yeah. that context. But yeah, yeah. Um, I was probably 21, 22 at the time, and it just came on like that. You, there's no way you can prepare for it, right? Uh, emotionally, and then the negativity the un undeserving negativity that comes along with it some people deserve it if they're pricks or assholes right but sometimes like people just like we were talking earlier again on the internet just make fun of you for no reason you're just like dude like just and and if you let that stuff get to you it can really affect your personal relationships how you view yourself um how you view others your level of trust within other people yep i wanted to ask you this that's how is it like being famous yourself? And I know you guys always try to say you're not. And right. Because you're, you're humble. Right. But, like, does it, have you had any moments where you're like, fuck, man, like, I just want to have dinner or, like, at a bar, like, I want to take a selfie with you. And then you have Because you have it where a guy's being genuine, but then he wants to talk to you about sports gambling yeah. for 30 minutes and you could give a flying fuck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I So, um... I definitely have benefited from the uh, reverse of what I just described with A Rod is that like I'm I was a regular Grown guy yeah, yeah. and it also happened gradually mm-hmm. so it wasn't like one day I was no one the next day I was someone yeah. it was 
oh, like a few people said, what's up? Like, oh, okay, now a few more people. So it, it happened very gradually over time, which I think helped me adjust. Um, I actually, it's, it's like our fans are awesome. Like they, yeah, no, they you- respect, like, especially now that I have a kid, like if they see me out with my kid, they respect that's my cool. space so yeah. much. And I think there's par- probably part of it is like, I do keep my private life private just because I like to have, I, we're, have always, we're always on, we're always on, we're always being yeah. filmed. So when I go home, I want to have something that's just to me and my family. Yeah. Like it's my, it's, it's, it's my as moments. it should be. Right. Yes. Right. So in like, I think those, it makes those moments more special when you're not sharing them for millions of people to see. Like, these are my moments. These are my like memories that no one can uh, distort or take away and yeah. also i mean not to go down to- the line but i also i everyone should parent however they want to parent i fundamentally have always felt like it'd be weird if i spent the first like 15 years of my life of my son's life putting him on the internet for him to wake up one day and be like oh i've been on the internet this whole time like <laughs> and like oh these people made fun <laughs> of me and I don't think people would make fun of him, but there's always one guy. There's always. Right. So I've always thought, like, I want to give my kids and, you know, my future daughter who's, you know, a month away, like, I want to give them as normal of a life as possible. So for me to do that, it's to make sure that they are protected. So in to answer a long way to answer your question is it's our fans are so cool. I love it does make my day. I actually kind of missed it. Weirdly enough, this is going to sound crazy, but like one of the things that kind of fucked me up on COVID is like not having any interaction yeah. with fans. Yeah. So it became just fu- fully online. Like, and I- I'm not even saying like, oh, I loved having people come up and ask for a picture. It's just like, oh, what's up, big cat? You know what I mean? Like, I miss that. Yeah. I miss that. And it, it's it, coming it, it's back a, good, a little. It's a good pick me up. Like, I hated it at first for yeah. my life. Um, because it was it was so difficult and it was at the time of, you know, cell phones weren't as prevalent. So when somebody took out a picture, it was more awkward. Right. Now it's like, oh, you get it. Um, and then, like, um, you know, I, I felt like I didn't have any privacy at all. Um, but now, like, you know, it's usually Zag fans and stuff like right. that. Or people that, like you said, like, hey, man, I was in college or in high school when you were coming up. Fuck yeah. The stash. Yeah. You know, I'm like, right. people mean well and they're just trying to make you feel better. Um, so yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, I have to give all the credit, uh, to our fan base. I think they also just like, we're regular guys to them. So mm-hmm. it's a different level of like, yeah, we're famous and that people recognize us, but it's, they feel like they know me and it's like, Hey, you know, what's up? And I, I do love it. I love that interaction. I think yeah. it's one of the coolest things. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on. I think that's a good way to end it. I have to say, um, you know, you're you like you mentioned, you're a private guy. Um, you're having your second kid, right? Second kid in uh, June. So what? Congrats on the interview. Yeah, girl. I certified I, second time. Yeah, dude. I uh, <laughs> I I know this sounds really cliche, but I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago, and they were like asking me like what fatherhood is like, and it's gonna sound sappy and cliche. I know all that, but it actually like did change everything. It it, it gives you. Not that you don't have a purpose before, but the purpose is not defined. Right. And then when once you finally have kids, I have three myself, and you're like, oh, I was just kind of fucking wandering around for right. no reason. Like on a you know? like some when people will say, of course, there are definitely times where I'm like, oh man, it'd be nice if I could just go get fucking blacked out on a Friday night yeah. and then lay in bed on a Saturday. Yeah. But then I think like Saturday morning, my son and I go to the park every Saturday morning. It's by far my favorite time of the week. It's awesome, Like, man. by far. Because it's just, 
it's just the best and it's fucking cool seeing a kid like learn new things and change every day and so i again it's gonna sound cliche and sappy but when people say it changes everything it truly changed everything where it's like i was just not floating but yeah you're right like just kind of living your life and now it's like oh fuck like there's a something there's a, a child there that needs me and every moment is just so awesome. Even the bad moments are fucking cool in a weird way yeah. because it's like Well, they always say the days are long, the years go by fast. And right. I'll, I'll, you know, as a I have a thir- about to be a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old and it's going to be a 5-year-old in a couple months. Like it goes quick, man. So yeah. enjoy the I'm hell worried out about of it. that. You know yeah. what I mean, but it's 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 definitely gives you a different purpose in life. It allows you to see the world differently. Totally. It totally. really, it really does, especially with young girls. When you have a girl, because you're like, you know, not not that you're you view women a certain way, but you're like, hey, motherfucker, this is my daughter. Right. When they get older, you're gonna right. be like, hey, you better give her a fair shot, right. shake. You know right. what I'm saying? So, congrats, man. You yeah, know, and, uh, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. It's yeah, it's it's a weird feeling to have happen, but uh, yeah, I would. I actually. <laughs> In a weird way, I, the only regret I have is I didn't have kids like earlier. Like I, w- I wish I was because I I think about that shit like yeah, I do you're the gonna, math in my head. Yeah, like, you're gonna be oh, like, oh, he's gonna be 25 and I'm gonna be fucking 60, 60 or whatever. Yeah. It's like that kind of sucks. Yep. So you be the old guy at the graduation. Yeah. And stuff, like, right? I, yeah, it would have been cool to be a little younger, but that's okay. All right. Well, Dan, I really appreciate it. And like I said, you've always been great to me earlier, and uh, and not to get weird, but like PMT has always allowed me to reveal kind of who I was without the media lens to other people. And yeah. people come up to me like, dude, I loved you on PMT. It totally changed how I thought of you as a person. So I've always appreciated awesome, that. Man. I really have because yeah. it allowed me to be like, Hey man, I'm not this fucking weird guy or whatever. Maybe I am a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's um, awesome. So and I've always, I've always appreciated you guys, um, you know, allowing me to come on the show and, and, um, especially doing this for me. I know you're super busy and we're just a startup no, this podcast is awesome, and stuff. Man. This um, is so awesome. thank you again. Bet on the Zags. Just yes. don't text me on tips because I won't give them to you. <laughs> you know I love you. But uh, yeah, man, I appreciate Fair. it. Fair. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Cool, man. Good. If you enjoyed this episode of The Perimeter, make sure to go check out Sack and Jack, featuring two Zag alums, one from the court, Robert Sackery, one from the booth, Jack Ferris. That's Sack and Jack. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. The Perimeter with Adam Morrison is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Mercedes of Spokane.